What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to the Cold Seat Podcast, where the seats are cold and the takes are hot. We've got a regular Cold Seat episode coming at you guys today with our NFL picks for the week, as well as our recap of the wild card weekend last weekend. I'll apologize now in advance. My voice sounds, I probably sound pretty nasally. Uh, I'm getting over the flu right now. That's why the episode's a little bit delayed. Uh, we're supposed to record Thursday. Um, I was, I felt like I was on death's door. Obviously I wasn't, but I felt like I, I felt like death all day. Uh, and then felt a little bit better yesterday as the day went on. I slept most of the day uh, yesterday and Thursday. So kind of fight, fight, fighting through it today. Um, getting the recording out before the Ravens game today. So Brett can have a stress-free afternoon prior to the uh, the, bu- the blood pressure rising upon kickoff later today. So um, got a Texas Tech basketball game later today. I know neither of us are going to make it. I'm obviously still getting over the flu. Brett's not going to make it. He's got to watch the Ravens game. So uh, understandably, I mean, I'd be doing the same thing if I was him. So, um, but yeah, we got a good episode today. We'll kick it off with uh, turning up the heat. Uh, I'll, I'll go first, and then I'll let Brett uh, kind of get into it. I'm going to go with the with my turn of heat today. My hot take is that Mike Vrabel does not take a coaching job this cycle. Um, and we can maybe talk about that later or maybe in another episode um, once we kind of get more coaching hires. And then I think next week's episode, we will have had a bunch of hires. Um, and maybe we push next week's episode off to Friday or Saturday again just to make sure. Kind of wait a little longer because I know a lot of teams are going to have a lot of second round interviews next week. Uh, multiple of them. So here's where I think uh, – I don't know if Vrabel takes a job. Brent, I talked about this beforehand about Andy Reid maybe retiring. The only job I think Vrabel would take is in KC if he does retire. If not, I don't think he takes a job this cycle. I think he waits. I think Philly could open next year. I think Dallas could open next year. Um, and I think there's going to be some competitive jobs that open next year, which is turnover and all that stuff. So there's always some unexpected ones. Uh, like Seattle was unexpectedly open this year. I think Vrabel, Vrabel will be a great fit there. I just don't know if they're going to hire him. I feel like they want to go with, with an offensive mind or just Dan Quinn. So – um, I don't think Variable takes a job. I think he takes a year off. He's he's young enough to do that. He's a respected enough coach to do that. Kind of like Doug Peterson did take a year off, find the right situation for him, and hopefully the right the right opening happens uh, for him pretty soon. So yeah, I don't think I don't think Variable takes a job unless Andy retires, and maybe he waits until year for Andy to retire. Like that's another thing. Andy may want to run it back for one more year. Maybe get the offense a little more talent for one more year, and then kind of see where they go. But um, yeah, I don't think variable takes a job cycle. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I haven't been as plugged in just because my team still has head coach currently, but I will say if we lose today, it's not happening. Talking about I know surprising you to, opening. It's not happening. I'm just like, I know you want it to brother. It's not happening. You better the Ravens are not firing today. You Let's better hope we don't lose brother. I hope now I hope they do. So we can hire him. We can hire the, I can't say that on the podcast. There was a really funny tweet or Reddit post that called Jim Harbaugh a certain type of Harbaugh brother. We can get the normal, the the non-Michael Scott Harbaugh brother, okay? I hope that happens, but it's not. It is. I I refuse to push that narrative on this podcast. Absolutely not. It's not happening. No chance, dude. One, one of these days, it will happen. I just I don't know if that day is going to be Monday or not, but I guess we'll see how today plays out. But uh, with all today the fire Sunday, openings, I mean, the game's today. <laughs> they could, yeah, Sunday. they could, they could. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's eight openings, seven now. We had one, uh, we've one filled, and then some GM openings as well. Uh, so stay tuned to that. I know, or there two. Uh, 
Pats, and then uh, Raiders made it official yesterday, oh, yeah, yeah, taking yeah. the interim yep. tag off AP. Yep, two out of the eight openings have been filled. Um, one GM opening has been filled as well with the um, Commanders hiring the Niners assistant GM. Uh, moving on to my hot take. So we got some divisional football this weekend. We got four games, two conference semis. Um, and the early game on Sunday at 2 o'clock on NBC is the Tampa Bay Bucks at the Detroit Lions. Detroit, obviously, uh, great atmosphere last week. First home playoff game in 30 years. Uh, back at it again this week with the Cowboys losing to the Packers last week. The Lions get another home game. I'm going to go that the Bucks beat the Lions by 10 or more. The Lions are currently fared by six. I'm still picking the Lions to win. I'm not saying, you know, bet the mortgage on this, but I'm saying don't be surprised if the Bucks go into Detroit and beat the Lions uh, by 10 or more. They have a they have a, a young team, but at the same time, a veteran, like plenty of veteran, veteran leadership within that locker room that I think goes well for them in a road playoff game like this. Um, obviously, you know, didn't look like for the most part of the year that they were a playoff caliber team. They did win last week at home against the Eagles team. It was just reeling at the back stretch of the year. But, um, but yeah, look for that game to be close. I think it'll be a one-score game. It could go either way. I, uh, I, listen, if there's any team that could get absolutely blown out this weekend and you'd go, yeah, makes sense, it, it would be the Lions just given that, like, that would so be Lions of them is to just get absolutely, just get their doors blown off. Right. Like, I don't think, yep. like, I don't think it's like very, like, I don't think that's representative of like the team that Dan Campbell has built and the culture he's built, but it would just be like, man, that's so like that, that's so the lion's luck. Right. Um, and this Bucks team is hot. Baker's hot. Um, he's one of those, you know, what's crazy. We're going to have Brock Purdy, Jordan Love, Baker Mayfield or Jared Goff starting at the Super Bowl. Yeah. And listen, man, Baker's hot. And he's the guy who, when he gets rolling, he's rolling. So, um, I, I mean, what I would give to be in the NFC right now. <laughs> I mean, you, hey, you're telling me, dude. You're telling me, brother. Oh, my goodness. Out here in the AFC, you've got Lamar Jackson, CJ Stroud, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. I would take all four of those guys. 10 times out of 10 over every other quarterback in the NFC. All of them going forward. Every single one of them I would take over the NFC quarterbacks. And it's not even close. It's I don't it's genuinely not close at all. Um could we see an NFC team get blown out of the Super Bowl? If it's not the Niners, maybe. Maybe. But nevertheless, um I I don't I don't think you're off base. I well, it's a bit hot take to say like they're gonna get blown out. Like, I don't necessarily disagree. Just given how hot the Bucks are, that defense is playing really well. We're gonna talk about a guy on that defense who's not gotten the love, he, the, the respect he's he's deserved. Um, been a big part of that, and they're hot. They're clicking on all, hitting all cylinders, and we'll see if uh, the machine that is that Ben Johnson offense and uh, the rest of that team that Dan Campbell's built can can put a can kind of put the fire out. Uh, in, uh, in Detroit today. We'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm looking forward to the game. I'm going to watch, uh, probably watch some tape in preparation for the linebackers running backs episode on Monday. We'll come out Tuesday, post, record Monday. Probably watch some of that while I watch the games, and I'll, I'm pumped. Um, I guess there's one upside to being sick or getting over being sick. 
I have an excuse to sit in my room all day and watch football. So, hey, sign me up. Um, but we'll we'll start out with uh, we'll do we'll do football last today. We'll start out with uh, MLB, rolling the golf, hockey, basketball, uh, and then we'll get to the NFL wild card recaps and uh, our picks for this week. Start with the MLB free agency update. We got two here. Uh, I'll I'll take the first one. Brett can take the second one. Uh, Marcus Stroman, right-handed pitcher, signed a deal with the Yankees. Includes a conditional player option 2026. Uh, two years, $37 million. $18.5 million rolls into 2026 as well if he takes the option. Don't know what the conditions are, but a uh, solid get for the Yankees and a guy who said he wouldn't play for the Yankees, so here we are. Yeah, I mean, one of the you know kind of career resurgence for him last year on the Cubs. Had a really solid year. Um, him going to the Yankees, though, no doubt the Yankees are, you know, putting money down on the table, trying to bring their squad back to where they have normally been after a rough season last year. But uh, but no doubt. I mean, looking forward to it. I think it's a good addition within the division, obviously, being an Orioles fan. I'd be interested to, you know, facing him half dozen times a year. Um, next one we had was the Astros uh, agreed to a deal with all-star closer Josh Hader, uh, five years, 95 mil. Pretty good deal for a reliever who spent time with the Brewers and the Padres most recently in San Diego, um, where he was pretty successful, um, you know, consistently one of the best closers in the game. You know, bring him on when the game comes down to it. Normally he can close it out for you. Um, you know, hardly ever blows saves. I think he he was up there in total saves this past season um, with, you know, always a really low ERA. So a big get for the Astros as they kind of look to keep their – entire pitching staff together and keep it to the level it has been for a while. Um, and that'll definitely help with that signing. So um, yeah, a couple guys going to the AL um, from the NL. So AL getting a little bit stronger um, in terms of pitchers. And I think we'll continue to see that as some guys, you know, sign here in the next few weeks. Kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I felt like the hater, but like Hader's market wasn't really all that – wasn't really shaping up. Were, he's been linked with the Dodgers for a while. Um, seemed like they were hesitant to pay a reliever $95 million. Um, and I get why. I mean, they, they routinely crank out really quality relievers, as a lot of teams do. I, I think – obviously having a guy like Hader is um, rare to find. And there's, there's, a, there's a different tier of reliever that he's in. Um, but I think teams in general were a little bit reluctant. I think the Kendall Graveman – Injury and surgery news is part of what sparked the Astros to get this done so quickly so they could take him off the market. Um, obviously, Kendall Graveman being a big part of that that bullpen and that uh, – pardon me, being part of that high-leverage staff uh, that Houston was rolling out. So I think that – I generally think that's why this got done so quickly is with the Graveman news. They wanted to get it done, so they pushed for it and finally got the deal done. Um in the latter half of the week. Um, it's a good deal for them. I think it's a good deal for Hater. Um, I mean, I could call it an overpay, but I'm not going to. I, I feel like that's cliche. I don't I think that's productive. Um, and the guy's, the be- the guy's arguably the best reliever in baseball. He's been the best reliever in baseball for, you know, multiple years. You know, Edwin, Diaz, Edwin Diaz had that one year, and then obviously, like, not individually, he's not been the best in every single year. Um, but when you take a holistic view of the last, like, what, six, seven years of baseball, he's probably the best. So, um good get for the Astros good on Josh to get paid um wouldn't surprise me to see the reliever trade market pick up here I know the Dodgers are looking at trading for a reliever I know 
There are some other teams kind of rumored to. I know the Braves have been linked to a couple guys. I think the Braves are linked to Hayter. So um, look for a top club next year. Even the even the Orioles potentially like I I not that I don't I don't know if they will but like I could see them making a deal for a reliever just given like Batista may not be ready right away may not be ready till late in the year right so he may even miss the entire season we have no idea um so it wouldn't shock me to see a contender uh you know even the Rangers bolster the bullpen um make a trade for a reliever like like an Emmanuel Classe if he's available. Like a Devin Williams in Milwaukee, who Hader just left, got traded from two years ago. So we'll see, um, or last year. But I think uh, good get for Hader, and we could see the trade market start heating up for closers here pretty soon. Um, we'll get into golf here, and I'll let Brett uh, Brett take it away. Yeah, so PGA Tour season is underway. Um, what last week we had the first event of the season, or second, excuse me. Uh, the players were in Honolulu. Uh, play the Sony Open at YLA Country Club. Uh, event had a purse of 8.3 mil. Siwoo Kim won it in 2023, and this season at 17 under. Grayson Murray won it. Um, actually, three guys finished their 72-hole tournament at 17 under, went to a playoff, replayed the par 5 18th, and Grayson birdied that hole while the other two parred, instantly uh, getting him about 750 mil or 750,000 more than the other two guys um, just because, you know, he got one shot better on one hole, but that's how it works. Um, but this week, day three is currently underway. The players are at La Quinta in California at the La Quinta Country Club. Uh, due to it being another event that John Rahm won last year, like we had a few weeks ago, there won't be a repeat champion as he is a part of the Live Tour. And someone new will be taking home the 1.512 mil uh, tomorrow, as that is 18% of the $8.4 million purse. So, a uh, really good event. I know right now, still pretty close in terms of, you know, being early day three, uh, about halfway through the tournament. Sam Burns is in the lead at 17 under. Um, so, look for him to try to pull away. I know yesterday he shot a 61. So, um, still pretty close. We got multiple guys 15 under or better. So, I think it should come down to the wire, maybe the last five holes or so. Um, Looking forward to that one, having a close finish. And then next week, we have the Farmers Insurance Open at La Jolla, California, as the players will compete at the South Course at Torrey Pines, where the California native Max Homa won the event last year. I know Torrey Pines is a very storied golf course with a lot of history to it. A lot of majors played there. Uh, nonetheless, it gets the Farmers every year. And I know the guys get excited for this event, just being one of the more prestigious golf courses. And Max, obviously, being from Southern California himself, Really looking forward to trying to repeat this year. So fun golf calendar ahead. I know we have uh, the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. We have the Phoenix Open and then some majors. You know, the Masters is just about 10 weeks away. So a lot of fun events coming up. But, yeah, um, La Quinta event this weekend, uh, like I said, still pretty close. So, you know, if, if that's your thing and maybe there's not football currently on, maybe tune in, see if it's coming out of the wire late on Sunday. Hey, no doubt. Listen, especially if the game – you know, the, the early game is maybe a blowout. Hey, like we talked about, I believe, yeah, Lions game is the early game. Hey, maybe that game's a blowout. Maybe you want to turn that off, look over to golf. Hey, go for it. Um, certainly may not be a, uh, I don't know, maybe it's not a blowout. But, yeah, flip it over to golf in the commercial. Or, again, maybe it is a blowout or maybe it ends early. Flip it over to golf, check out the end of that uh, end of that tournament. Um we got one more on golf, or are we are we uh, are we set? We got one more. No, we got it. We got it. Oh, okay, okay, good, 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 good. Okay. Um, 
Moving over to hockey now. We've got a uh, stats update this week. Points, goals, save percentage, and team power play percentage. Um, you want you, how do we want to split this up? You want to do the first two? I take second two. You want to alternate? What are we feeling? Just here? alternate through it. Cool, cool. All right. First up's points. I'll go, I'll go reverse order. We'll leave suspense for the top the top point scorer here. Uh, number five, we got JT Miller of the Vancouver Canucks at 61 points, tied with him. I suppose I guess rather tied in fourth place uh, with Artemi Panarin of the New York Rangers at 61 points. At number four, sorry, number three, we got David Pasternak of the Boston Bruins at 64 points. Number two, we got Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche at 73 points. And at number one, we got Nikita Kucherov of the Tampa Bay Lightning at 75 points. Tampa. Yeah, I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say those top two guys, um, kind of pulling away from the pack here. Yeah. As we're a little bit past halfway. Uh, in terms of the regular season schedule. Um, I mean, having 75 points, 73, you know, this far into the season, or really with this much season left to be played, is a is a big testament to not only how good they are, but how good their rosters are around them. Um, just getting them open looks and stuff like that. So moving on to goals, um, you know, goals make up a bulk of the points that players accumulate in Fifth, I guess I'll say there's three guys tied at 27 goals. And then in fourth, we have Nikita Kucherov again um, from the Lightning at 28. David Pasternak again from the Bruins at 29. Sam Reinhardt from the Panthers at 33. And then Austin Matthews with a four-goal lead um, from the Maple Leafs at 37. So one that has a little bit more uh, spread out results here just from guys. Um, you know, some guys don't pass the puck that much. And some guys, you know, take it all the way and, you know, just shoot it themselves and not dish it off. Um, that's what happens when, you know, a lot of times these goal leaders aren't up there in points is because they don't pass the puck. So um, at the end of the day, this is this is another one that I think is going to come down to the wire. I think Austin's going to win it just because he's done it before. He's one of the elite goal scorers in the league. And I think, I don't know if anyone's going to pass him uh, unless he gets hurt, obviously. Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, separation at the top here. I was going to say Tampa – while kind of out of the dynasty of the era that they were in, still uh, competitive this year, the top point scorer as well. But like you said, separation at the top here. I um, expect to see these two guys leading the way and McKinnon and Kucherov the rest of the year um, with, again, a tight spread here at uh, at three to three and then two tied at four uh, with, I assume, a couple of guys behind them hot on their tail. So uh, certainly looking for that there. And then we'll get into uh, guys who obviously points scored. A lot of goal scorers will be. Uh, top goal scorers would be right around the top points leaderboard or kind of just off the top five. So I'll let you uh, hammer the uh, the goals leaders here. Yeah, I mean, goals are another one that uh, – oh, you said goals leaders? Yes, sir. Yeah, goals. yeah I mean, right, yeah, goals yeah. are another one to where it's just like at the end of the day, I don't, I don't know how you – necessarily pass others when they're just as hot it all comes down to just looks you get i think and i don't think that guys are gonna really pull away from the pack but i mean three tied at 27 kucherov with 28 pastor 29 reinhardt 33 matthews 37 i just i don't think there's gonna be too much shift i mean i think with reinhardt and matthews being four up and eight up from the pack they probably stay 
pretty much in those spots, but outside of that, there could be a lot of movement between three and ten. I mean, no surprise to see Matthews here at the top. Um, I mean, absolutely none. Like you said, um, one of the best players in the world, consistently a top player. Uh, obviously, in the world, since he, since he entered the NHL, obviously been a top goal scorer. Um, expect to see him here. And then, like you said, kind of difficult to see guys pass each other. It kind of just depends on who gets hot, who doesn't. Um, but again, we will uh, kind of see how this goes the rest of the way. Um, but getting the save percentage here, kind of flip it over to the other side of the side of the puck, if you will. Um, we've got two tied at but 0.922%. We've got Jeremy Swayman of the Boston Bruins at 0.923%. We've got Connor. I'm going to butcher this last name. Do you have any idea how to pronounce this last name at number three? With the Hellebike? That's kind of what I was thinking, Hellebike or Hellebuck. Yeah. Um, Connor Hellebike or Hellebuck. Apologies, Connor. Listen, top three in safe percentage in the NHL. Guys have it in a year. We'll get his name right in front of for the next stats update. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets at .925 or 92.5%. We've got Charlie Lindgren of the Washington Capitals at a .927 or 92.7%. And then Aiden Hill of the Golden Knights of Las Vegas at a 93.3% save percentage. Yeah, I mean, all these guys are... Pretty close so far. I think there could still be a lot of movement, especially with goalies. A lot of teams play multiple goalies. I mean, sometimes you give up four goals in the first. Other other days you'll shut shut teams out. So a lot of fluctuation in these, and that's why you see these really top six guys all within, you know, eleven thousandths of a per, save percentage. Um, moving on to team power play percentage, the percentage of times teams are one up or more and convert a goal. Um, Bruins are in fifth at 27.2%. New Jersey Devils in fourth at 27.5%. Carolina Hurricanes in third, 27.7%. New York Rangers in second at 28.7%. And then Tampa Bay Lightning in first by a wide margin at 31%. Um, so, I mean, in part due to just the offensive players around them, they can convert, especially being a one-up. So, you know, being ahead by that much, Another scenario where I don't know if guys are really going to catch up to him. Obviously, we still have a, you know a good bit of games left on the schedule, but I think they're pretty comfortably pretty comfortably in first place right now. Like you said, um, comfortably in first. Expect them to stay here for a while. Like I said, Lightning kind of outside of the again outside of the dynasty era that they were in, but still once again competitive, uh, kind of making a resurgence here for them as well. Getting the NBA standings here. We got a standings update. Um, I'll take the Easter Conference here. We'll go eight to one. We've got the Magic at 22 and 20, 10 games back. We got the Pacers at 24 and 18, tied with the Heat at 24 and 18 as well, eight games back. We got the Knicks at 25 and 17, at seven games back. Six and a half backs hit the Cavs at number four at 24 and 15. Getting to the top three here with a two and a half game separation between three and four with the 76ers at 27 and 13. Half game separating them and the Bucks at number two at 28 and 13. And the Celtics holding a three and a half game lead up, up on the up on the conference with the best record the best record in the NBA at 32 and 10. Having a great year for them. Obviously, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, all those guys um, having a great year. So looking for the Celtics to, again, keep their lead here at the top of the Eastern Conference. I mean, Celtics with a good lead right now, a conference that's kind of spread out. I don't know if we're going to see a whole lot of shift, but um, 
you know, Celtics and Bucks pretty much been three games apart for a while now. 76ers obviously only half came back of the Bucks, going to, you know, push for that second, if not first seed. But uh, outside of that, I don't think there's going to be much going on in the top four. Uh, I think the Cavs will be able to hold on to that fourth spot over the Knicks. Moving to the West, in eighth, we have the Suns at 23, eight, 23 and 18, seven games back. Tied with the Kings, who are also 23 and 18. Uh, Mavericks are in sixth at 24 and 18, six and a half back. New Orleans Pelicans at 25 and 18, six games back. Clippers 26 and 14, um, three and a half back. Denver Nuggets at 29 and 14, uh, two games back. And also at two games back is the Oklahoma City Thunder at 28 and 13. Uh, Timberwolves are in the lead at 30 and 11, just a couple games back of the Celtics overall. But in terms of the West standings, um, I don't know if the Timberwolves are going to give up that lead. I obviously can say that the Thunder and Nuggets are going to push for that one seed. But at the end of the day, Timberwolves have been up there for a while now since overtaking the Nuggets. And I don't think they're going to give it up. Um, they have a really, really well-rounded roster. Gobert, um, obviously Anthony Towns, and then Anthony Edwards, um, you know, balling out this year. So I don't think when you have a star and multiple really good players like that, um, that you're just going to give up a lead and lose, you know, four plus games in a row. They're playing. They're they're hot, man. Anthony Edwards has been uh, been on one. I mean, uh, listen, they they're playing well. I I was surprised that we took the Nuggets, but again, um, like you said, don't know if they're going to give it up, even though that they've played. So certainly something to watch on the stretch. Obviously, with uh, but listen, you got number two teams three and a half back, and the number four teams three and a half back in the Western Conference. So pretty tight spread there. Um, with the second, the Eastern Conference, Western Conference, uh, kind of top four versus top two, um, being being pretty tight in each conference here. Uh, next one up, we got NCAA basketball. A conference play is fully underway. Um, I'll let you. You want to take, na- you want to take national stage first, and then we can get into the uh, into the the Big Twelve specific, Big Twelve specific, and Texas Tech stuff. Yeah. So I mean. Uh, rankings came out this past week, and there was a new number one. It is now UConn, um, playing super strong, obviously coming off a national championship. Purdue's at two, Kansas at three, North Carolina and Houston at five. So a bunch of teams that have been there before. Um, I don't expect anyone new to enter the top five unless one of these teams just either has an injured player or misses, I mean, just completely chokes, I don't think. I think these teams are going to finish top five at the end of the year. It's just going to be what order. And, uh, I mean, when you look at the end of the day, there's two Big 12 teams in Kansas and Houston. And basically every matchup in the Big 12 has been a ranked game for the most part. Um, and I think eight of the 14 teams are ranked. And including those, um, you know, BYU and Tech, they're both ranked. They face off today. BYU's 20, Tech's 25. Iowa State and TCU. Iowa State's 24, TCU's 19. And then just talked about Houston at number five. They play BYU number 20. Um, Although those rankings could change when they come out on Monday, they played next week. And we also have a non-Big 12 game in 22 Ole Miss at 13 Auburn. So four ranked matchups this week. Currently, three of them are Big 12. Uh, Really looking forward to it. I know the Big 12's been a gauntlet early on. I assume it's going to stay this way unless, you know, something happens in a couple of programs. But for how deep the Big 12 is, I mean, you have teams at the bottom that are three games over 500 that, you know, are 0-3 or 1-3 in conference play. And it's just crazy how competitive the league is. And then you have teams at the top that are 
you know, crushing each other while, you know, Kansas, Baylor, and Tech are all three and one. That loss has all been pretty uh, has been pretty ugly for all three of them, and confusing. I mean, I think uh, UCF beat Baylor, and then Tech lost to Houston on the road, which is understandable. But uh, but each team really across the conference has just had a confusing loss that doesn't really add up with the games that they've won. So teams are just beating up on each other, and there's no clear favorite right now. No nights off in the Big 12, dude. No nights off. I mean, none. It, and it goes for the rest of the conference, the rest of the country, honestly. I mean, we've seen, we've seen people. I mean, teams that shouldn't have lost have been losing games left and right. It's the nature of college basketball. But this year, it feels like been a lot of parity across the country, um, yeah, especially in the Big 12. I mean, we're seeing I mean, Houston lost two in a row against not very good teams. Um, and um, like, like, listen, it's always been said that the Big 12 is the best conference in in, in in the country. Adding Houston made it even better. Adding BYU this year has been even better. Um, and then we're going to see an addition of, of Arizona next year. So uh, looking at a really, really good basketball conference in Utah, obviously not great this year, but they're going to have uh, they're going to have, a, you know, probably a resurgence here pretty soon. Colorado as well. So um, just adding more teams to the mix, more upsets on the road potentially. So. Um, ranked matchups this week. Uh, we want to hit which we want to hit tech tech first or tech last. You want to do? Uh, in terms of just like, I think we just go in order because I think they're in order of when they're played. Um, but yeah, I mean, skimmed through them real quick. But looking at them, I think BYU is a team that has an incredible offense and really hasn't played a whole lot of defense defense this year. And the offense has kind of willed them to victory, whereas Tech's been a more defensive team yeah they've put up 90 a couple times but recently they've been really struggling offensively so I think if Tech's defense doesn't play elite and their offense doesn't have some kind of resurgence then um, Tech could drop this one it's uh they're listen they're they're in Lubbock they got a shot um coming off a tough loss and listen the loss that I expected they're in Houston. Houston's coming off two losses. They should, the two games they just shouldn't have lost. They were bound for a, a huge bounce back. Um, and I, again, I, I frankly, I, I expect them to get a win today. Honestly, I, like, I know they're not the higher ranked team. I know BYU is going to be probably favored to win the game. But this is a game that Tech needs to win if they want to be competitive in the Big 12 going throughout the rest of the year, right? Like they've got to be. They've, this is a game they have to win because they've got to win tough games, even like like this against a really good BYU team at home, and play through what was frankly two bad games of basketball. Like they won the K State game, they didn't play well at all, like one bit, right? Like they was there was an ugly game, it was an ugly win, um, and they've got to be able to put that game and the Houston game aside them, and be able to move forward. And play a good game of basketball against a really good team at home. Like, they've got to take advantage of that, being at home against a good team, and go get a win. So, um, I want. I, I think Tech needs to win the game. I think they can win the game. And I got to pick them to win. This again, got to have it. Ultimately, they've got to play good defense, and they got to make their open looks. Um, that's really all they got to do. They don't need to play. They don't need to go shoot the lights out. They don't need to shoot 80%. They don't need to, you know, draw. A whole bunch more fouls and need to out rebound by a crazy number. They just got to play good defense and hit the open looks. They've got plenty of them. They didn't do any any sort of open look hit any of them last week. So at home against Kansas State. So uh, like I said, Tech Tech gets the win, favored by two and a half. But 
Uh, I'm actually surprised it's two and a half. I guess it's probably just the, the bump in at home, but I'm looking for a big one from them uh, today at home. Yeah, I mean, I hope for a close game. Obviously, hoping for a Tech win. We'll see how that goes. Probably have it on TV. Uh, moving on to another Big 12 game that we have today. It's 24 Iowa State versus 19 TCU. A couple teams that have been up and down this year. TCU obviously just beat Houston at home during the week. Uh, last, or excuse me, last Saturday. Um, Iowa State's played really well. I know they've had a couple big wins. I think they beat Houston as well. Um, but yeah, TCU fared by four and a half at home. Probably just going to roll with them. I feel like a home team probably gets like a five-point bump in college basketball, maybe six um, in terms of the line. But going with TCU to win by probably 10. We're not doing predictions. We're not going to keep track of records. Just, you know, throwing it out there, kind of giving our ideas on it. Um, as we, you know, early on in conference play, we don't know a ton about these teams yet. We're going to learn a lot uh, coming up soon. I think, listen, teams ranked at 24 and 19 with two other teams at 20 and 25. Like, we, we have no idea how these teams are going to stack up. It's kind of hard to tell with kind of non-conference play. Teams are going to find their footing from the first week to the last week. I mean, to now, like, I, I can tell you right now, if this, if the Texas Tech team that right now played the Texas Tech team that went to the Bahamas, that that team in the Bahamas gets smoked by 20 points. It's just it's a different ball club now, right? They, they've... They found a rhythm. They kind of found their groove. They found their niche, their niche, niche, whatever you want to have everyone pronounce it. They've they found what they're good at, and they've been playing to that strength for the most part. Um, so we're going to say I think we're going to learn pretty quick. I'll be curious to see what the final score of this game is. I know TC is favored by four and a half. Again, it's probably a, a bump being at home in Fort Worth. Um, be curious to see. Like, I think Iowa – it's also like in the Big 12, home court advantage is huge. I think if Iowa State's at home in Ames, they're probably favored by, you know, three or four points, right? Like, I think it's – I think you're getting points being at home. So uh, it's really one to watch. I think uh, we'll learn a lot from the final score of this game for sure. I think if TCU dominates, I think it could be a sign that maybe Iowa State's not that good, or maybe TCU's better than we thought, or maybe if Iowa State dominates, maybe it's like, hey, TCU probably drops out of the rankings. Iowa State jumps up a bunch. Um, kind of we'll see how that goes. Next one here, ranked matchup, Ole Miss at Auburn, 22 versus 13. Auburn favored by 12 and a half at home. I believe they hold the nation's longest winning streak at 10 right now. Did they win this week? Am I correct in saying that? Uh, I believe so. I, I think they did because I know they were tied. They, them and them and Tech were tied at um, what was it? Yep. Nine before they we lost to. Gosh, if I can find the SEC on here. Uh, before we lost to Houston, and I think Auburn. Yeah, Auburn won this week. So they're they're ten ten game win streak. Four zero in SEC play, which is great. I think Auburn gets the win here against Ole Miss, and uh, again being at home in Auburn's big. Uh, Ole Miss team maybe into bump because their head coach has a big name. We'll see. Um, but I think Auburn gets a win here convincingly. Yeah, I think they do too. Fair by 12 and a half is huge. Um, but yeah, there's more experience. I think they have a better head coach in terms of consistency and, you know, been able to bring that culture really um, turn it around from, you know, not being great 10 years ago to obviously being really good these past six years or five years. Um, so I'm going with Auburn as well. During the week, we have number five, Houston, at number 20, BYU. Don't have a spread for this game yet, as both teams play a game before this one. So after the games today conclude, then we'll get a line for it. But um, for the sake of reviewing it, just for a preview, I think it's going to be really close, and I think it's going to be a good game. I don't know who's going to be favored. I assume Houston by a couple, but at the end of the day, it's going to be a toss-up. Houston with the number one defense in the country statistically, and then BYU, like I said earlier, um, with an elite offense that's kind of 
been the reason they've surprised a lot of people this year and entered the rankings and been top 20 for a few weeks now. Um, so it's strength against strength should be really interesting. I think it's going to come down to what unit plays better. I think they're just going to come out with the wind. I know Houston lost back-to-back games on the road last week. Um, with them having back-to-back at home this week, they go back on the road. I wonder if that's still going to have an effect on them. It might. Um, but I'll go with BYU and upset in this one. In Provo, I like that. Uh, again, a Houston team that it was what's kind of the story with Houston before they came to the Big 12. It was like, man, they're a top three seed in the tournament, but you know, top, they're a they're a I guess not top three overall. Like they're a top, they're a one, two, or three seed in the tournament, but they're in the American, and it felt like they always got bounced earlier than they should have, right? As a, as a one or a two or a three, it's like, well, when you don't play anybody, right? Like I think we're now seeing that with Houston. They they took a couple lumps early on in Big 12 play, and it's like, hey. You can't take nights off here. You've you've got to play and come to play every single night. We're going to get beat by a by an inferior team. So again, I like the pick because um, he again Houston is a team that's not played well on the road, and I think uh, I think I like uh, I like BYU to win as well. Again, BYU really sucks, especially if they win, if they win in Lubbock today. Uh, I think I'm going to take BYU to win as well against Houston and Provo. So um, that wraps up college basketball and just the college basketball or basketball segment as a whole. Getting into NFL, we'll quickly recap the wild card round. Um, there's six games here. I'll take the first three, but I can take the second, the last three. Um, first one up was uh, Texans beat the Browns in Houston by, I believe, two scores, three scores was the final score oh, of that game. I- yeah, a lot like, to a little. They rolled. Uh, I think they put up like 40 or something like that. Uh, yeah. So pretty – yeah, 45 to 14. Uh, next one was Chiefs beat the Dolphins 26 to 17. And then following that, the Packers beat up on the Cowboys 48 to 32. I um, believe Brett and I both – I think I picked the I picked the Browns, Brett picked the Texans. We both took Chiefs, and then we both took Cowboys. So that puts me at 1 and 2 and Brett at 2 and 1. Yeah, I mean, kind of weird weekend for games. I know we both picked the Texans, but obviously Flacco threw in two pick sixes and then a fumble as well. Definitely helped the Texans kind of balloon that lead and make it look like a you know a blowout when it was. But at the same time, the defenses really didn't play too much differently. It's not like C.J. Stroud went out and put up 45 points. Um, he had an incredible game, but wasn't quite a 31-point you know difference in level of play. Uh, Dolphins at Chiefs. I know the Chiefs went in by 19. I didn't expect that just in the cold weather. You know, didn't really know what to expect. I mean, no doubt went with the Chiefs confidently, but still didn't know what to expect from that one. So big one for them. Packers at Cowboys, did not expect that. However, I did pick the Packers to cover. I thought it would be a close game. Um, Packers went in 48-32, really wasn't that close. Um, You know, they gave up a couple garbage time touchdowns. Ended up making it somewhat of a game with about three minutes left. Uh, but, you know, it was 27 nothing to start and then just kind of some weird random touchdowns after that. I mean, Jake Ferguson had three touchdowns, I guess. Um, and then moving on to the latter of the weekend, uh, Rams at Lions, incredible game. Lions won that one by one, 24-23. Puka Nakua with incredible game, 181 yards. Stafford played really well. And honestly, Goff played well, too. Um, both quarterbacks had pretty solid games. Moving on to Monday, uh, we had the Steelers at Bills. We both picked the Bills, and the Bills won uh, by 14. Honestly, the Bills looked kind of unimpressive, uh, having their game delayed a couple of days. 
they went out 21 nothing, and then the Steelers just kind of hung with them and slowly came back, made it 24-17, and then the Bills scored a late touchdown. Uh, but really, you know, obviously not a great game for Mason Rudolph. Didn't play bad, but about what you would expect from him. And then Josh Allen had a pretty solid game. So um, unfortunate timing for the Steelers, just given the state of their roster, TJ Watt going down and a meaningful game for them in the Week 18 game. And to wrap it up, Eagles at Bucks. I went with Eagles on this one. Uh, Brady went with Bucks. Bucks won by 23. The Eagles, I mean, it's clear that without AJ Brown, they can't really do anything because, I mean, granted the the Bucks front seven is really really good, and a lot of people don't realize that. Um, you know, it's young and it's really solid veterans at linebacker. Devontae Smith had a great game, and that still meant nothing to that overall offensive production. Like, Jalen Hurts had a good game, but didn't play great. Baker Mayfield had a great game um, and just made all the throws he needed to and then some. So, um, overall, pretty good weekend. I think we both went four and two um, as we differed on a couple, each, you know, being the beneficiary of having the right team. And then we both missed the Cowboys game. Um, But, yeah, in terms of this week, Looking forward to it. Uh, we have four games on the schedule. Next week we'll have two. Kicking off the divisional round Saturday today uh, at 3.30 on ESPN is the Texans at Ravens. Ravens are favored by 9.5 currently. Um, every sign points to the Ravens to win. Um, you know, to the uniform matchup when they last played each other in the playoffs, you know, 12 years ago to, um, you know, when the number one scoring defense faces a rookie quarterback in the in the postseason to – Everything in between. Uh, they played week one. Both teams obviously were a shell of what they are now. So really, you know, a different matchup for the most part. You can look back on that game for some things, but really both teams are vastly different four months later. Um, I'm going to go with the Ravens to win it, but the Texans to cover. I just don't have trust in the Ravens until they can prove to me that they can get past the divisional round. Every year Lamar's been healthy. They've made it to the divisional round and they haven't made it further. So um I am going to pick the Ravens, but cautiously, um, I don't know if they're going to have enough to really pull away. I think it's going to come down to the wire uh, with how the Texans offense has been playing. But it's going to come down to how the Ravens defense plays, I think. You know, they're missing Marlon Humphrey. Obviously, a lot of those guys haven't played in three weeks sitting in that week 18 game. So it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back, if they have any kind of rust, if it takes them maybe a quarter or so to get back into it. But um we're looking forward to this one i know it's big for the city of baltimore and uh hopefully they can host another one next week ronnie ronnie raven gonna be in attendance that's that's that's, that's what i need i've to not know. seen anything to this point i don't think he is he's gonna be in dallas next week and i know that because i'm seeing him on next saturday in dallas but um i think ravens win i think ravens cover um Texans are a great story, um, and I think it's really cool to see first-year head coach, rookie quarterback doing this. However, I think we – I think their win got a little bit overinflated last week, just given how bad the the Browns' offense was. Um, that said, they still beat up on a really good defense, so there's that. that's certainly part of it. That's that I I think I think the Ravens get it done this week. I think they they're gonna be able to present something to CJ that he hasn't seen um, before. And again, it's very different from what like you said, these two teams are very different from week one. Um, and I think the Ravens are very 
Again, they're, they're multiple defensively. I think like they're going to be able to throw a lot of things at the Texans. Um, from just again from from the from the front end, the back end, I think you look at what they can do in the secondary, moving guys around. Guys like Geno Stone have a really good year. Has given Kyle Hamilton the flexibility to move kind of all around the defense when needed to, and I think they're going to have to account for him. And we've seen the Ravens make really good quarterbacks look like not good quarterbacks and have their worst games against him. So I think CJ has a rough game. And that's not saying CJ is a bad quarterback. That's saying he's a really good quarterback who's going against a really good defense who has held some really good offenses to low scores in bad games. So uh, with that said, Ravens win, Ravens cover. Um, popcorn matchup this week, Derek Stingley Jr. versus Zay Flowers. Um, two guys who have been really big. Uh, for their teams late in the season, kind of in the stretch, home stretch of the year. See Zay seemingly come out big late in games a whole bunch for the Ravens this year, and Derek Singley Jr. really come into his own as an as an elite high-end corner. Uh, CB1 for the for the Texans in year two. Uh, two guys in equal seats, a bunch of each other this week, and um, certainly a big matchup. I think uh, where the game could be decided on maybe a third, fourth down, um, kind of third quarter maybe, see if Singley can get a stop or if Zay can get open on him and uh, get a first down for Lamar. Yeah, I'm hoping, um, just hoping that the Ravens click on all cylinders. I know a lot of the times they, they've they been a team that starts fast and then slowly just dissipate throughout the game, and I'm hoping they, you know, maybe dissipate at a slower pace this week, um, you know, give them enough to come out on top and host either the Chiefs or Bills next week. Um, moving on to the later game tonight, 7:15 on Fox, the NFC 1 seed versus the NFC 7 seed. The widest margin of seeds that have ever played in a playoff game, I guess you can say. Um, Packers at 49ers in San Fran. Niners had the bye like the Ravens. Fair by 10, similar to the Ravens. Um, going with the Niners to win, but the Packers to cover, I just think. Packers are playing well. They're hot. Um, they have all the tools you need to be successful, and it's going to be interesting to see how they match up against the Niners, who have been um, have been there before. I mean, obviously, you know, going the distance multiple times, have been to the NFC Championship seemingly every year. and it's going to be interesting to see how they match up against the Bucks team, or excuse me, the Packers team that is really, really young squad. If yeah, Packers are hot, I keep saying that Jordan Love is the hottest hand on the planet right now. Um, we saw what happened when some quarterbacks got kind of sat for a week. I know we saw Joe Flacco sit for a week and come out and look like the Jets Joe Flacco we saw last year. Um, so there's that. I, again, Jordan Love uh, torched the Cowboys defense last week. Something to be said for that. and. Um, I think, I think they cover the 10 points. Don't think they win. I think the Niners get it done. I, mean, I think ultimately the, the Packers just may not have an answer for all that they can do offensively because there is no replication for what Christian McCaffrey can do. And there's no replication for what George Kittle can do. And the rest of the receivers can do, like Debo and Brandon Ayuk and, and just the cast of elite supporting characters that they have there. So um, give me the Niners to win, Green Bay to cover, and a classic Niners-Packers you know, playoff game, cold weather. Probably not going to be that cold in San Francisco, actually. I have no, I, I generally have no idea what it's going to be. But um feels like a classic nighttime, you know, match between these two historic franchises. Um, so, give me the Niners to win, Pats to, or pay, Packers to cover. Pardon me. And um, I'll let you hit the popcorn matchup on this one. Yeah, I think Jair and Ayuk is going to be a really intriguing one. Um, you know, Ayuk. 
kind of been under the radar a little bit in terms of those top flight receivers, but he's been really solid, a big piece of that offense, incredible blocker, which has led to a lot of open looks and big gains for that team in terms of a team that's, you know, in terms of 20 plus yard gains have been right up there with everyone else. Large part due to the downfield blocking of all those skill position guys. Jair, um, a guy that's been under the radar as well um, for seemingly no reason, just, you know, missed some games and obviously um, when you're not playing, no one's really talking about you, but he's been really solid for them. And I think he's kind of been what's brought that defense back to an extent, not to, you know, it's peak, but to where they should be um, without him. You, you notice a big drop off. Obviously they lost Rasul Douglas to the bills, but, um, but yeah, look for this matchup to, to have a uh, big play in how the game shakes out just in terms of green Bay defense, San Fran offense. Obviously there's another side to it, but we're looking forward to seeing how those guys match up against each other and adjust to each other throughout the game. Yeah, it should be a good one. Two back-to-back corner receiver matchups here. I, uh, I'm i a big fan of this one. I think J.R. will follow IU. You'll probably see more of him on the outside for sure. And um, I'm looking forward to this one a, a ton. It's going to be awesome. Um, again, I, I don't think we'll see him on Debo. I, I, I almost put down... Debo slash Ayuk. I just don't think we're going to see him on Debo as much. I think they're going to prioritize Ayuk. I think they're going to try and keep Debo. Again, he's, he might have stays in the slot, and um, I think we're going to see more of Ayuk versus Jair today, being that Jair plays a lot more outside. Ayuk plays a lot more outside. I know Jair follows guys, but he typically stays outside. So, um, yeah, I'm going to stick with uh, stick with just Ayuk here, and I, I like the matchup a lot. Next one here, Bucks at Lions on Sunday at 2 o'clock. These in... Eastern time? Central time? Central. Central, that's what I thought. Um, Bucks at Lions up in Detroit at Ford Field. Lions favored by six at home. I'm going to go Lions to win. Bucks to cover the six. Uh, Bucks are also really hot. Baker's been hot. Defense has been on fire lately. Um, I know we talked a little bit about this at the start of the, at the, start of the episode, so we won't take too much time on it. Um, but, yeah, I think the Lions get a win at home in Detroit. I think ultimately that just, just what they do from a holistic standpoint across the entire – all three kind of parts of the game, uh, offense, defense, special teams, I think they get it done. Um, they're cleaner. They play cleaner ball for the most part. And I think ultimately they win a hard, a hard fought, hard nosed game. Yeah, I mean, I think Bucks and Lions, two teams that have gotten here very different ways. The Lions were one of the hottest teams in the league to start, had a little bit of a cold stretch, and then finished strong. Um, in terms of their level of play, obviously they got robbed against the Cowboys a few weeks ago, but it doesn't have a factor now as they still are hosting a divisional game as they would have had they won that game. Um, but really looking forward to this one. I know the Bucks, similar story to the Texans with different, you know, stories within it in terms of a team that really shouldn't be here. Um, a lot of guys have come on strong this year and exceeded expectations to put their team in a position to go to the Commerce Championship game. I mean, Anything can happen. I think this game is going to be close. I'm also picking the Lions to win, but I think Tampa Bay is going to cover and you know keep it within six. Popcorn matchup of Antoine Winfield versus Sam Laporta. Sam Laporta has been a top three tight end this year. Granted, um, you know other tight ends have missed some time and had some down years, so it's been a good year for him to produce at a high level. Nonetheless, been a great rookie for them in the second round. And then Antoine Winfield Jr. just a do-it-all safety that's loaded the stat sheet this year. He's been a top three safety in the league. 
this season. So um, a couple top threes at their position this season. We're looking forward to that matchup. I'm not sure how much Winfield's going to be strictly on Laporta, but nonetheless should be a good matchup when they're lined up across from each other. I think we're going to see it a bunch, honestly. Uh, I think with, I mean, he plays in, in, he plays all over, right? He plays deep. He plays in the slot. He plays in the box. I think we're going to see him on Laporta a bunch because I think he is ultimately their, he is their most dynamic and game-changing weapon offensively. He's the kind of the biggest wild card X factor, if you will. When they can get Laporta going into the middle of the field, I think they're, I don't think I I know they're just they're a more lethal offense when you can get into the middle of the field. It opens up, it kind of opens up the hashes. It open it opens up the sideline. It opens up the numbers for guys like Amon to get downfield, kind of up the sideline and up the numbers. Guys like that, uh, Jamison Williams open opens up kind of kind of something for him up the numbers up the up the sideline on a deep shot for him potentially it opens up underneath routes. So um, I think they're really going to try and neutralize Laporta with Winfield. I think he's a guy. Got a lot of all-pro nods this year, but a guy who routinely does not quite get the uh, the love and respect for uh, for his game and how good he is. So love this matchup here with Winfield Jr. and Laporta this week. Uh, last one here, Chiefs at Bills. Sunday night at 530 Central, Buffalo favored by three at home. I'm going to go Bills to win, Bills to cover the three. Um, again, you're kind of picking your winner here at three points, and I think the Bills ultimately get a win at home. Yeah, I'm going with the Chiefs here, the lone game that we differ on this week. I think. The Chiefs, I mean, I'm going to be picking them until they show that they can't do it. And every time they've, um, you know, made the playoffs, they've gotten through the divisional rounds since Mahomes has been there. So I'm going with them again here. Uh, I know it's on the road. I know odds are against them, but really looking for Mahomes and Kelsey to kind of take over. I don't know how much they'll be able to. I know Buffalo's going to be rowdy again this week. And uh, I think it's still going to be really close. Buffalo's fair by three. Obviously, picking the Chiefs to win. I'm picking the Chiefs to cover. But uh, I think Chiefs win by, you know, four to seven. It's your typical close game. Um, I think it's going to come out of the wire. I think this could be the closest, best game of the week. Uh, we've seen this matchup, I think, three times in the last four postseasons. Uh, so looking for this one to be different this time. I think this is the first time that it's been in Buffalo. Uh, I know the Chiefs has got... Chiefs have gotten the better of them multiple times and looking for this one to um, follow the course as I'm picking the Chiefs. But a popcorn matchup for Travis Kelsey versus the two Buffalo safeties and Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Buffalo has been solid defensively this year, but nonetheless had to have a ton of guys step up due to injuries. Had a lot of defensive injuries, but have gotten a few guys back and have really steadied the ship defensively. Um, this kind of coincided with a shift they had midseason offensively as well. Um, to their benefits. Nonetheless, they're here as the two seed. And I think, you know, either one of those safeties, whoever is lined up on Kelsey is going to have a tall task as Kelsey is, you know, one of the best at getting open and yards after catch. And I think he could, either of those guys matched up on him could have a big impact if they can, you know, contain him. I mean, he's the, he's the, he's been the passing offense. It feels like most of the year, he's been the biggest weapon single-handedly, no questions asked. Um, kind of been, I won't say shut down, but he's been quiet in the latter half of the year. Um, one last thing I'll touch on, and then we can get out of here. First road playoff game, first true road playoff game for Patrick Mahomes in his career. Um, and yeah. Andy Reid and that whole regime So uh, since Patrick's been there. So, been a while. Quite the road environment to walk into for your first one in the playoffs. Um, may not be 
a better one to to go to. Uh, maybe Philly. Yeah, I think I'm still taking Buffalo though. And I think they're going to have the best home. They're the best home playoff environment because they have the weather so heavily in their favor. I think so. Um, then the fans feed off of it. The crowd feeds off of it. So I think uh, be big. I'm like I said, uh, it should be a great matchup though. I think a three-point line is indicative of that, and um, I'm looking forward to a really good one. I think they picked the right one to be the kind of the closing uh, closing game on the on the divisional weekend, and we'll see see where we land. I think we've got the same picks, but one game, so we'll see uh, we'll see how this shakes out. I'm sure we'll, I think we'll have an upset. One of these games will be an upset, if you will. Maybe they yeah. won't. I don't know. We'll see. But um, I'm looking forward to some really good games, and um, I'll let you kind of give a closing remark, and we'll get out of here. Yeah, I am as well. Uh, I know. I think we hardly ever have two one seeds and two two seeds. We won't this year with the Cowboys losing uh, in the conference or in the wild card round. But uh, I don't know if we're going to have all teams in the final be top three seeds, with assuming the Lions win. Like you said, I think there's going to be an upset. Look for the Packers-Niners, I think, is probably the most um, likely game for there to be an upset, just given the circumstances. Also, Texans-Ravens could be an upset, just given the Ravens' recent history. But uh, look for them all to be close. Really excited for this kicking off today. Either way, the games go. Um, playoff football is big. Draws in so much attention, even more so than the normal regular season games. I think that'll pretty much do it for us. Um, shout out, Derek. Happy birthday, Derek. Uh, turning 18 today. The, the go kid, get, let's go. You know, let's uh, go. Yeah, Derek's my younger brother. Um, turning 18. Excited uh, to celebrate when I get back home. Go get a lotto card, apply for a credit card. Um, yeah, I'll see you in a few months or a few weeks. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, really looking forward to the slate of sports that we have going on. Um, and uh, we covered it all today pretty much. One of the most loaded episodes we've had recently in terms of variety of things we're talking about. But nonetheless, um, it's for a reason. It's because there's a lot going on. And, want to keep all updated so thanks for tuning in follow us on x and instagram at cold sea podcast stay up to date on when all the episodes drop and then we will see y'all in a few days for the second edition of the 2024 nfl draft positional rankings where we preview and rank uh the top five in both the running back and linebacker room so thank y'all for tuning in and we'll see y'all on monday see you guys then